Hey there, it's Jake. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Online Hustle is a bit of a time capsule. It's from a podcast I used to run between 2012 and 2016. You're going to hear some references to that show, uh, to businesses and content that may have changed or may not even exist anymore. This is episode 24 of the Multimedia Marketing Show. Today's episode, we're speaking with Justin Brooke from Pixel Track and I Am Scalable. Let's get stuck into that interview right away. Justin, how are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm fantastic. Now, I must say, Justin, I think I come across you through somebody in my network and I found you on Facebook. And I have to say that I needed to get you on this show because every single post that I saw on Facebook that you popped out there was just absolutely awesome. So there's so much information in there. Thanks. Thanks. So for our listeners, your main focus, of course, is around traffic generation. How about you give our listeners a little bit of a history about you and uh, what has brought you to where you are right now? Yeah, so there's there's a couple of stories, you know, that make up my whole past or my career getting started in this industry. The short version is that back in 2005, I got started, didn't make any money at all for two years. 2007, I landed an internship with Russell Brunson and went out there, worked with him for 30 days for free. And my job out there was to... He, he has this, this marketing library. He spent over a quarter million dollars buying like every course there is, every book, every video, just everything. And my job was to go through these courses and write reviews so that he could create an affiliate review website out of them. And he called it Zuby the Newbie. I technically was kind of Zuby the Newbie, even though it was modeled after him and everything. But I was the one writing those reviews, going through those courses, and I was the newbie practicing them all. So anyways, I got like an education of a lifetime. And when I came out of that, I was still broke. I, I mean, I had a website. I, I took what I learned in that. I only had $60 to my name. I took that from half of my electric bill. I paid half the electric bill, took $60, started a pathetic little Google AdWords campaign, $2 a day, selling a $35 video course. And my first month, I made 150 bucks. Paid back the electric bill, Rolled the money back in. Long story short, doubled my money every single month for twelve for eleven or twelve months or something like that. And I had a six figure business at the end of the year. For me, it was learning from a mentor, from a millionaire who'd already done it. But really, traffic buying traffic changed my life, and so that's why that's my focus. That's what I teach. It's what I do. It's what I. I live, like I read and watch and do this stuff all day, every day. Yeah, cool. I think what was interesting for me is that you have, I guess you could say, a hand in a lot of different markets, but it seems to be that you were initially almost like a blogger of types, I'd imagine. Yeah, I, I would definitely call myself a blogger. It's one of my main, I do a lot of paid traffic for my clients and that's like what I sell. It's also what I teach, but how I make the most money is actually through content marketing, through my blogging and social media. Yeah, cool. All right. So your focus now is, is mainly around traffic. How about you just give us a, some perspective of your company now and how it's broken up and how most of your money is made through your clients? Yeah. So what I realized, I had a real hard time in 2010. I just made a couple of bad decisions in a row and then they didn't pan out. I took some risks and they didn't pan out and ended up 
not having anything. I had no income stream. Uh, I was making six figures for three years before that and I had no income stream and then had to rebuild it all. And what I really realized was that one, the information marketing industry had changed. And because now there was YouTube and, and there was a blog post about everything, there's a tutorial about everything, there's WikiHow. So the information marketing industry had changed and I put all my eggs into that basket. I said, that was never going to happen again. So services was easy for me to get some money going again. And then I said, I've got to have a software because I believe that tools are everybody there's a plenty of information out there but now everybody needs something to do with this information so they need tools and then they also some people just don't want to do it themselves so they need services so i said all right i'm going to service the traffic industry because that's what i know best i'm going to have a tool i'm going to have a training and i'm going to have a service that way like these decisions that i made in the past will never hurt me again and it's taken me a long time to manage all three parts of that and get them all going. And some of them are still coming online, but that's how our business works. We have a tool, a training, and a service. The service right now pays like 80% of the bills. Yeah, cool. Now, with the traffic buying that you're doing for a lot of your customers, what is generally the goal? Is the goal, in most cases, sales? Or are you trying to help with lead generation for them? Yeah, everybody always wants sales. You know, it's all about ROI. I believe that there's a lot more out there. Uh, there's a lot more than just ROI and sales in marketing. And that's a whole other conversation. We could talk about that if you want. But um, yeah, most people it's sales, some people it's leads. But at the end of the day, you know, if they're paying for traffic and I'm not making them more than they're paying, then they're not happy. So my job is to make sure that they're making more. Cool. All right. No worries. Justin, most of our listeners out there, so likely our listener listening in right now, is always asking about how can I get more leads? How can I generate more customers for my business? So what I'd love to do in this interview is to run through a couple of different strategies that you are currently seeing that are working really well for yourself and also for your clients. How does that sound? Yeah, absolutely. All right, cool. Let's start briefly with a look at some of the free traffic sources. So what are the top free traffic sources that you see? For me, I think the top free traffic source is guest blogging. And not just guest blogging, but content syndication, period. So I, I believe that guest blogging is just a form of content syndication. Your content is being syndicated on somebody else's blog, but you could also put it up on SlideShare, you could put it up on, was it Scribd or DocStock, you could put it up on YouTube. So just taking what your content is, and I think a lot of people focus on content all on their own website because I made this, I want to hoard it, but really the way you get people to your website is by having content all over the web that brings people back to your website. I don't focus a lot on creating content for my website. I focus a lot on creating content that's out there in the world that drives people back to my website. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think one of the best examples of this in action to me is the music industry. Now, you look at records and iTunes and people consuming music, that's essentially traffic generation for what most artists these days make their most money from, and that's their touring. So that's their live events. And I think that's a really good example of this strategy in action. Absolutely. There's tons and tons of marketplaces and there's tons of content channels out there, and there's just gobs and gobs of traffic at these places. If you look up the traffic 
for SlideShare and YouTube and all these other content places, their traffic is astronomical. And it's free for you to dive in there and start corralling these people back over to your website. Yeah. Now, a couple of episodes ago, we had Clay Collins on from Lead Pages, and uh, we spoke what a, about what a genius he is. Oh, absolutely. And I guess would that be then, therefore, what you say? Landing pages is how you capture the traffic once you've driven them back to your site. That's one use of a landing page. Um, probably one of the most popular uses of a landing page is to capture that traffic so that you can follow up with them. To me, a landing page is just, you know, the page that the person lands on after they click your ad and your ad could be a blog post or a podcast or whatever it may be. It's just where they land. Yeah. Okay. I'm thinking of the questions that no doubt our listener has in their mind right now. And one of them around guest posting. To me, guest posting or writing in general is hard to do. Do you have some sort of system that you use to actually produce content like that? Yeah. I'm going to steal Marcus Sheridan's system it's great it's simple it's easy it's i've been doing something like it for years but he just wrapped it up in a better package what i would what i used to do is i would go and scour like yahoo answers or any of the answer sites and i would look for what questions people are asking about my topic so if i'm in the root beer niche and i'm talking about root beer i'm going to go and look up what are all the questions people have about root beer because i can guarantee you people are typing the question the full question into google trying to look for an answer and it's so much easier to rank for a full question than it is for a one or two word keyword and you could just start ranking for a lot of these questions over and over again easy and then you'll know, pull those people into your website and then it'll go to other pages. Marcus Sheridan's system is come up with 52 questions that your market has. Now you have a, an entire year's worth of weekly blog posts just answering the question. Do your research about that question, find out what the good answer is, and then create a blog post that answers that question, provides resources to it, links, tools, whatever, and just Make sure that that blog post is the best answer on the web for that question. Yeah, <laughs> that's excellent. And that's really fantastic. Listener, Justin doesn't actually know, but Marcus was uh, on episode 23 here. So you can go back and listen in detail to that particular strategy he uses. And uh, Oh, yeah, you probably already talked about it. Oh, I absolutely agree with you, Justin. It's a great strategy and it's so easy to come up with content that way. Now, let's look at a couple other forms of free traffic. On a previous episode of uh, Marketing Conqueso with uh, Michelle McPherson, you detailed a number of different strategies that you see are working well for you now. Let's have a look at one in particular, membership sites. And how do you use membership sites to build your list? Okay, I think I know what you're talking about here. We have, I, I call this the invisible squeeze page. And what it is, a lot of times, and, and there's a lot of markets out there where asking for an email address actually doesn't work very well. If you look at the survival prepper market, they don't want to be giving out their information. They don't want to be letting people know that they are a prepper hoarding all this food and gold and whatever. There's other markets out there as well where they're really sensitive. So what we do instead is we just say, here, this is a free membership site. And all you have to do is enter your email, create a password, and you'll have access. What do they do? They just enter their email address and now you have them to be able to follow up with them. So it just 
it's basically a squeeze page. I mean, on a squeeze page, you're offering a piece of content in exchange for their email. The only real difference in a membership site is you call it something different and you add a password. Yeah, and why do you think that works? It's just positioned differently. It sounds different. It's less gimmicky. I think it's less about hanging a carrot in front of somebody's face and forcing them to give you the email, where I think the membership site, from the perspective, is that that it, that it has more value. It's, it's you know you're going to get all this stuff inside, and all you have to do is become a member for free. Yeah, and how much information do you think you'd need to put in a membership site? I could probably answer that myself. In fact, really, you've just got to answer your value proposition on your sales page. Yeah, that's it, really. But I mean, I, I've done one with as little as four videos in there. It was about a, an hour's worth of content. And then there was just a bunch of links and resources. And you, know, you got to make sure that when they get in there, they're not, they're happy. They like what they see. Yeah, yeah. Now, and these, I guess, they sound complicated, but they're actually very easy to set up. WordPress natively allows you to password protect pages, and that would be the simplest version of a membership site. Just having someone sign up to your email list and have the first autoresponder email going back to them with the password for that page. I, I've even done it simpler than that. I, I don't want to s- say that I like I manipulate people, but people in general. Sometimes they, they can be a little clueless. So I've created forms in AWeber where it says email, password, confirm password, and name, and, and then hit enter to submit. And then it just takes them to the page. But there was actually no membership or whatever. They just filled out my opt-in form. And now I've taken them to the page. Now every email they get after that sends them back to that thing that looks like a membership site, but it's really just a page out there on the web. Yeah, cool, cool. I think that's important to understand that because we don't want to complicate it for our listener. We want them to know that it is actually easy to do. Yeah, and, and they, they are a member of something. They're a member of this, this group of people. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. And uh, as you say, I think this is the key. As long as you're delivering value, uh, in my opinion, above and beyond what you actually promise, that's all you need to do. Yeah, if you're collecting their emails and selling them off to some spammer and then you're only delivering half a piece of content and trying to force them into a sale, then like this whole technique doesn't work. But if you're trying to provide value to people's lives and you're doing everything ethically and legally, then this is all good stuff. It just helps you do it easier. Cool, cool. All right, I want to look at one more source of free traffic before we look at some of the paid sources. So this one is another one that you spoke on this same episode of Marketing Con Queso, and it's using software to build a list. Now, we've seen this done. Clay did this fantastically well with the Welcome Gate, um, mm-hmm. and I believe you're doing something similar with Pixel Track. No, not anymore. We used to have a free trial, but we're not doing the free trial anymore just because it was getting abused too often. But what I think that people can do a lot easier is there is a ton of free software out there on the web that people don't know about. I know guys who have built a 100,000 subscriber list just saying, enter your email to get this plugin for your blog. And they just went and found a plugin that was out there in the WordPress extensions or or whatever that thing is called where there's all the plugins that you can search for but they just went and found a cool plugin that was not really talked about very often but did a cool little feature and they just said enter your your name and email and i'll give you this plugin they just link over to the plugin directory 
And uh, yeah, these guys have built huge lists off of that. Or you can develop your own plugin. It only costs you a couple hundred dollars to get a plugin developed. You don't need something that is WP wishlist to develop a plugin. You can develop a very simple plugin like Michelle McPherson. She created one that just whenever you would roll over an image, it would give you the option to pin that image. And just a very simple little easy plugin. And now she has something that she can offer on a squeeze page and people will opt in for a tool a lot more often than they will opt in for a, a piece of information or a free report, free video. Everybody's doing free report, free video. But when you can say free tool that like actually does something for you, it's a much higher perceived value. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I never actually thought of the fact that you can just be linking to free software, but it makes a lot of sense. And as you say, you have essentially become the curator and the quality controller of these good plugins. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it, it all comes down to like our job, whether you're an affiliate, a blogger, whatever, I believe that our job is to be a problem solver. You know, there's people out there on the web that have a problem and they're looking for a solution. And whether you sell a software or whether you're a blogger or whether you're an affiliate, whatever, your job is to say, hey, I, I know what problem you're going through. I know the solution. Here's how to get it. You know, if you're a blogger, you're, here's how to get it is, is a blog post. You're just telling them, here's how to solve this problem. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Justin, let's move up again and look at some of the different paid traffic sources. And now, rather than confuse our listeners, I want to really hone in on where they're going to, let's really 80-20 this and let's hone in on the number one or number two strategies for generating paid traffic at the moment. So where are you seeing the best results at the moment? Overall, I would say Facebook, but there's places that work better for different things. If it's a dating offer using Plenty of Fish, they have a great advertising network over there at Plenty of Fish. It's ads.pof.com. There's certain, I, I like to call them like ponds, you know, that you would go fishing in. There's certain ponds out there where you can catch a special type of fish. But overall, Facebook has half the world's people on it and they're spending half the day on there. So it's a pretty good place to start. And there's so many targeting options today that it, it's just amazing you know, what you can do on there. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's look at yeah Facebook in particular. Now, I do a little bit of Facebook advertising myself and I can certainly generate likes and I can generate uh, comments. But what I struggle to really generate is clicks through on uh, a lot of my ads. What's your specialty with Facebook? Are you driving clicks and sales? Yeah, we're driving, I have to drive sales. If I don't drive sales, then my clients fire me. And what we do is a lot of times in the very beginning, I'm trying to figure out how to word this the, the right way. So there, there is not even the greatest advertisers in history have a home run the first time they create an ad. It happens every once in a while. If you're good and you know what you're doing and you really study the market, it happens. But for the most part, what you do is you create your hypothesis. It's your best guess at what you think people will respond to. And so what we do is we put a lot of guesses up there. We think this angle, these are things that people are going to respond to. And then we let the data tell us whether or not that's true. So we 
you know, put our best guesses up there, let the traffic run for a little while, and then we go back and look at the data and say, okay, which of these ads got the most clicks, which of them got the most sales? Because sometimes the one that got the most clicks just was generating a lot of curiosity, but not a, a lot of buyers. So we go and we look at the data, and then the data tells us this is what makes people respond. Then we cut off the other stuff and just keep that. Yeah. Now, that to me sounds like it's pretty important, the data. So how do you track how well your ads are going? There's a lot of software out there, Google Analytics, Pixel Track, HyperTracker. There's, there's so many things out there. What's most important is that you think about what you need out of a tracking tool. Do you need something that's going to be super comprehensive, is going to show you everything, is going to be, you know, have lots of support and, you know, lots of plugins and stuff like that? Or do you need something that's really fast, lightweight, and simple? You got to think about what you need out of a tool and then go find the tool that fits you best. Don't like, oh, everybody says use Google Analytics, so therefore I should use Google Analytics. For some people, Google Analytics is like, it's like using a chainsaw to shave your face. It's just too powerful of a tool for the job where sometimes you need something that's really easy and, and simple. So there's a lot out there, different sides. That's the best advice I can give, though. Yeah, yeah, cool. I'd like to a little bit deeper on that. I know personally Google Analytics can get quite complex, and I know for a lot of our listeners it's going to be – it will be a roadblock having to track with Google Analytics. Let's look at the simple side of things. What's the best way to keep it nice and simple but still accurate? I'm going to be a little biased because I, my tool, pixeltrack.com, that's our angle is we believe, I believe, and I built it for myself, to be honest. So whether nobody else uses it in the world, I use it myself every single day. We've driven over a million clicks through it. And what I wanted was I realized that I wasn't tracking and split testing as much as I should be because the tools that I were using were so hard and complicated to use that I was just like, oh, I want to, but then it's going to take me an hour to do this, and i got to read this book before, and so I never would do it. I was like, I need something that is just quick and simple and easy, and I can whip up a split test in two minutes, or I can just grab a tracking link and, and be on my way. And, and so I built that tool, and I've spent probably about $12,000 at this point tweaking and building it and making it just how I want it to be. It started out like it was just going to be a couple hundred bucks, but... We're tens of thousands of dollars into this thing now. And I do believe it's the easiest, simplest tool to use. Right, that sounds fantastic. Now, can you run us through how it works? Yeah, sure. So when you log in, there's only one button. I thought that was important. And now there's other things that you can click on, but there's only one button and it says new campaign. And when you click new campaign, there's three options. You can either create a quick, quick tracking link, which is basically creates a redirect that will start counting the clicks and then gives you a code to place on your conversion page. So if you were tracking how many opt-ins you were getting, you'd put the conversion code on your opt-in confirmation page and you'd use the link to start sending your ads. And now you know, the pixel track tracking link will start counting all the clicks. And then as people go to your page and opt in, then the code says, hey, a person converted and so it starts counting how many conversions and if you're doing a sale you can put in how much each sale is worth for you and it'll start counting your EPC and that's really important to me because how you make money with traffic how profit is created like at a scientific level is your EPC is your earnings per click how much you're earning on average 
per click that you get to your website, and then you pay at a cost per click, a CPC. So if you're paying, you know, twenty-five cent CPC, and you're earning on average a fifty cent CPC, then you're making money. And your job, sometimes in the beginning, your CPC is higher than your EPC. But your job is to do things on your landing page and in your sales funnel to increase your EPC. And then you're going to do things inside the ad network, like you'll create new ads and test different markets and different pictures. And that lowers your CPC. And as you lower the CPC and increase the EPC, that gap in the middle is your ROI, your profit. As that gap expands, that's how you make more and more money. And that's the name of the game. Brilliant, brilliant. So I've just got a couple of technical questions to satisfy mm -hmm. my own interests. Yeah, um, well, one second before we get in, I just want to finish what the other three buttons are in there. So there was quick tracking, which is just a redirect, redirect link and tracks conversions. And then there's a funnel tracking one where if you have like upsells and downsells, it'll track you know, your lead, your front end, your upsell, your downsell. And so you can put multiple tracking codes in place and then you'll see you know, your conversions across. And then there's a split testing button where it just lets you have like up to five different links and it will rotate those links out for you. And so you can create one page, duplicate the page with a different headline, put both pages in there, and then you're off and running. You can create a split test two minutes. Okay, so not only then tracking the source of the traffic, you're also tracking the actual page as well. Yes, yeah. Fantastic. That's good. So that one thing I wanted to satisfy my own curiosity was creating a, a campaign. Can you have multiple links or traffic sources for that one campaign with that one piece of tracking code? Yeah, you could. I believe that every ad should have its own link. And, and I consider everything an ad, different blog yes. posts, a different email. And when you do that, then you have granular level data that says this email versus this email. You, you can see it, I had nine conversions from here and three conversions from here. Therefore, this one worked better. When you start using the same link for multiple sources, now you can't tell which source was actually a higher performing source. Yeah, so I, I probably wasn't as clear there. So the tracking code for each of these links, do you get a unique piece of tracking code for every link or is it just the one piece of tracking code and you can have multiple links? Currently, it's uh, a different piece of tracking code for every link, but in I think it's next month, the, we'll have a global pixel and that will mean you can have just one code on the, on the page and lots of links. Because right now, it's getting where a lot of people have to put a lot of different codes, and it's cumbersome, but that'll be fixed next month. Cool, cool. That sounds great. And I don't want this to sound like an ad, but you have a, a $1 test drive of Pixel Track, I believe. Yeah, yeah, there's a dollar trial. <laughs> cool. All right, let's go back and look at Facebook. One thing I think I struggle with is working out your audience. What are the top things you can suggest to people in choosing the right audience or targeting the right audience with Facebook? With Facebook, targeting the right audience, that's a good question. One, I would tell you to get a book. There's a book out there called Killer Facebook Ads by Marty, oh man, I think it's Weinstein. Uh, God, I hope I got his name right. Um, but it, it, it's called Killer Facebook Ads. Anyways, this book is really good. It goes in depth. You know, I'm only going to be able to tell you about five minutes worth of tricks and tips, but the book really goes in depth on that subject. Basically, what I do is I look for a couple of categories. And some of the easy ones are 
So what is the broad category? So if we're looking at bloggers, if I'm trying to target bloggers, okay, what books do they read? And that'll be one campaign. And then what fan pages might they be a fan of? And that'll be another campaign. What software do they use? That'll be another campaign. What celebrities or gurus do they follow? That'll be another campaign. And so that's how I break it up. And sometimes in the beginning, just to like test and see if, if things are working, I'll just go create one campaign that has all those targets in there, all the books, all the media sources, fan pages, software, all that stuff in one. And then just see, I'll drive like $100, $200 worth of traffic and just see if any sales happen, if any leads happen. And if none do, then great. I didn't have to do all the work of creating lots of different campaigns with lots of different tracking links and I didn't have to work so hard. But if I do see that there's that there's some sales happen, some leads happen, now I'll start breaking it down and getting really targeted with it because the more targeted you are, the better your ads are going to work because it's going to be more relevant. And then the, the more you'll be able to track the conversions and remove wasted spend. Sure. That sounds fantastic. Now with your audience size, as you reduce the audience size, do clicks generally go up in cost? Not really. You're... Yes, there's different audiences and the more targeted you try and get, the, the more Facebook makes you pay. And sometimes the less they make you pay because it's a really small audience or mm. it's just something that's not very competitive. But for the most part, the cost of your clicks is dependent on your CTR, how well people are clicking on your ad. If a lot of people are clicking your ad, then your cost per click will go down because Facebook likes a guy who is paying 20 cents per click but getting 100 clicks versus somebody who's paying a dollar per click and only getting two clicks. Sure, sure, that makes sense. All right, let's look at then the location because there are so many different locations you can have your ad appear now. What's working right now in terms of location of the ads? Sponsored stories work really well and just for anybody who's listening and might be a little bit newer, if you use Power Editor, there's two ways to create a Facebook ad. There's the web interface, which is what most people are familiar with. You know, log into Facebook and do it through the internet, uh, through that screen. But there's also the Power Editor. And the Power Editor, you have to be using the Google Chrome browser. When you use that, you're able to pinpoint whether you want your ads to show up on mobile devices or all devices, whether you want them to show up on the side or in the newsfeed. If you want it to be a sponsored post or this, there's just a lot of different options, but you know, the, the premium real estate is in the newsfeed. And the way you get in the newsfeed is through sponsored posts and promoted posts is another one. And then with mobile, there is no sidebar. So when you're targeting your ads to mobile, then, you know, they're showing up in the news feed for them. Cool. Cool. Well, that's fantastic. That's all great information. Justin, you've been so generous with your, both your time and the information you've shared today. Where can our listeners find out more about you? We've got a blog where I blog about traffic. I call it, this ain't your mama's traffic blog. We, uh, it's over at I am scalable. That's I-M-S-C-A-L-A-B-L-E.com forward slash blog. And there's a bunch of articles there already. 
check it out. There's stuff on how to measure your ROI on Facebook and how to get more conversions and stuff like that. And then on Facebook, just go to facebook.com forward slash traffic strategist. And I try to put a daily tip up there. And they're all amazing. So I do. I highly recommend both the blog and certainly Facebook as well. Justin, thank you very much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. I got a lot out of it. And our listeners certainly will as well. Thanks for giving me the chance to reach more people, man. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks, Justin.